0: And it is Murda, right?
1: Yeah, Murda, M-U-R-D-A.
0: Writing down the pronunciation as well.
1: Yeah, Murda Maris. Nice. We'll get into where that name came from later on. <laughs> is it murder? No, 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 it is absolutely not. It's actually uh, dorkier than that. Ooh, okay. Although it also ties into like the rest of just how, we'll, we'll get into it. This is, <laughs> listen, we can't, we can't waste this juicy podcast material. no we
0: cannot although i'm a little bit concerned that you're calling this juicy podcast material
1: just juice running down my face of this podcast material
0: well Mm. it's now officially a theo guest episode (laughs) 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 y'all okay i'm gonna go ahead and do my intro though My name is Christina and thank you for checking in to the Home for Raybod OCs. This is a podcast where a guest and I talk about our original characters, the good, the bad, and the self-inserts. And today our guest is Theo. How Hello. are you doing?
1: Hello, I'm Theo. I'm doing alright.
0: Good. I'm I'm very glad to hear that. And I'm also I'm also very glad to hear that because that means that Discord is continuing to work for me, which is great.
1: I, I mean, yeah, that's that's what we always hope.
0: Okay, um, but we're not here today to talk about uh, Discord's naming conventions and how sometimes it is or is not relevant. Uh, we're here today to talk about your OC, and who are they, Theo? Uh,
1: so my OC is, I've cheated a little bit, because in some ways this is a, uh, I've i have committed the sin of doing something with my OC. <laughs> uh, I, I've, <laughs> I've actually written down the, uh, use them in a story as opposed to just letting them live in my mind rent-free.
0: Congratulations, um, congratulations.
1: Okay, so my my OC I'm bringing today is the protagonist uh for a book not published. It's still in a manuscript form, but a book I've written.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh her name
1: is uh Murda Maris. Nice,
0: very strong name, like the alliteration.
1: Yep. And that's actually part of uh we talked about it a little bit beforehand. I was going to explain why she's named uh Murda, and that comes mm-hmm. from the fact that uh as you might have looked at as you might have seen when I was submitting her, uh she is very much You could argue either gay toff or lesbian daredevil because her (laughs) stick is basically being being blind but super badass, also. Uh, And so, her name so the first name essentially uh, essentially came from uh, taking Matt Murdock's last name and fucking it around.
0: I see what you did. I see what you did.
1: Uh, oh, I cursed again. That's my bad. You have to censor my, my audio chat. <laughs> um, yeah, I just took uh, Matt Murdock. I took his last name and made it Murda, and just threw the rest of the of the syllable away.
0: Nice, nice, nice. Now, I would love to hear uh, kind of how you came up with Murda and her story, whichever one came first, because I you know sometimes it's like you make a story. And then you're like, I don't know about the main character, I'll just figure him out later.
1: Okay, so I'm going to have to get deep into my own personal lore. And this will be great because if the book is ever published, people who read it can refer back to this episode and discover all the dirty secrets. Uh, so I'm going to <laughs> to explain kind of how she started as a vague, the vague shape of the concept she would become. I'm going to ask you a question. Have you ever heard of furries? Yes. <laughs> Figured the answer is yes, that's on. Uh, I just wanted to give you a signal for how weird this backstory is. Yeah, um, yeah. I,
0: I've been on the internet for a long time.
1: <laughs> yep. So the, so I, back in back in the days of being a teenager, I was in a few different furry chat rooms. Uh, and one of them, I met this one individual who we eventually split off into our own, like, one-to-one roleplay server. And mm-hmm. just went back and forth on that for a while. I don't remember most of it. I do remember my character was... I mean, it was just my name, uh, and it was a furry wizard, of course. Um, nice, and uh, and the last name was also Maris. That's where the last name for Murda eventually came from. Which, funnily enough, I debated for a while whether or not to use that, but I decided the alliteration worked, especially given the daredevil uh, thievery on my part. Um, mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: But uh, and eventually that fizzled out. That that like we went our separate ways, and that you know did its own thing. Uh, And then I just didn't do anything with that, with those story concepts for years. Uh, And then at some point back Mm -hmm. before I actually made myself write regularly, I wrote this one story prologue, trunked it, went away. Then when I actually started buckling down and starting to write regularly, I discovered this prologue, finished it, then wrote about completely separate characters, starting with Murda. Uh, Interesting. Okay. And since at this point I decided it wouldn't be very good if it was just a straight up self insert, so I decided to you know, diversify it a little bit and make it so it was going to be a female main character. Uh, and I just, dis- I didn't, I didn't go in. I didn't want to make her just me, but with, but with no Y chromosome, it's just, uh, it's like she was <laughs> just, she wasn't just going to be beanbo a woman. She was going to be, you know, whatever character, although hilariously, she still ended up being, uh, apparently the character where my voice seeps in the most. Cause everyone I've had read it be like, yeah, this is just kind of how you talk. Isn't it? <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, I decided she would be uh, she'd be a female protagonist and she would also be a lesbian. Uh, okay, just to try and make it so it wasn't just I, I since it was pointed out to me, started trying to here's my here's my pat on the back for the day. Uh, wanted to try and avoid just doing the default sort of Caucasian brunette male protagonists because that's mm-hmm. it's like yeah, why would I write about someone who's basically me already? <laughs> that's not interesting. That doesn't <laughs> advance my skills as a writer, a storyteller. Fair, uh, fair. This is all sounding super self-aggrandizing, so I apologize. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's where basically where murder started. She started in a furry chat room of me as a self-insert, and then I eventually plucked the concept of a combat mage because that's that's who she is. She's a combat mage mm-hmm. specifically. I plucked that concept into this other story, it around to make a new character who wasn't just going to be a self-insert. Uh, okay. And also made her a Daredevil ripoff because at the time I was, and even to this day, still am super into Daredevil.
0: Okay, okay. <laughs> and I want to ask, just before we get into kind of, like, like this, like this the story and the development of Murda as a character.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What what was she like as a furry?
1: I mean, she was before... She, she never herself existed as a furry. At the time, it was just oh, okay. me, Sorry. Theodore, as a, like, self-insert as a combat mage in this one-to-one RP server. Uh... And then eventually I took the concept of the combat mage and that last name, just because I needed a last name uh, at that point. Uh, and that, so the shape of Murda in like being a combat mage in this sort of, uh, in this high fantasy world, that was what started as the furry. Uh, although gotcha. to answer your question, Wolf, okay. uh, which was a fox wolf.
0: Okay. Okay. I, <laughs> yeah, gotcha. I I did,
1: like every, every other teenager, I did some cringe nonsense.
0: I mean, Wolf sounds <laughs> a little bit better than a Wox. <laughs>
1: Yeah, <laughs> it does.
0: But cool. Mm-hmm. So, do you want to talk about uh, the story that kind of- that, that murder was, uh, I'm gonna say, applied to?
1: I mean, I think that's a good- a good sense. Because she- she herself didn't exist until I really started the story, but it was the concepts that ended up being kind of transplanted. And uh, mm-hmm. the story itself, uh, it was originally called The Sight of Others. Uh, eventually, I, tra- I turned it into First of the Four Moons, because in my head- Uh, this could be, Mm. this could be something of serious potential, and this would be an easy way to remember which book comes first. Um. um, And
0: also, uh, good, good aspect of your social media.
1: I mean, yeah, that's where my, that's where my Twitter handle comes from, essentially. Mm -hmm. Uh, because, I mean, where the four moons themselves come from is that within the world, there are four moons in the night sky, and that was me trying to one-up one of my favorite authors, Guy Gabriel K, whose shared universe has two moons in it. And I was like, I'll do four, because that'll make me better. (laughs) That'll prove I'm twice as good of a writer. (laughs) Right, so, uh, but yeah, the story is called First of the Four Moons, and where it starts is, uh, it starts, in some ways, this has been part of the problem, like, trying to describe it in, like, query letters, like, trying to get it published, is it Mm -hmm. almost starts like it's going to be, like, one of those, like, Magical Academy-type stories, but it actually starts on their graduation. She's 21 years old. She's graduating as a combat mage. She's drunk. She is absolutely drunk out of her mind uh, because we can get <laughs> more into backstory later. But she is a depressed alcoholic who kind of has the sad clown uh, sort of thing going on. Uh, and she runs into another student who she doesn't recognize in any fashion. Because uh, mm-hmm. to also take a step back, like I mentioned, she is blind Uh, And with the Daredevil and toff suite of powers, it is like the rest of her senses are, like, are emphasized. Yeah, Yeah. so she's got... So she can, like, recognize... So you recognize people, but this is someone who she doesn't recognize, uh, just Mm -hmm. didn't really run into while in school. Uh, And this person seems like they are about to die. Like, they're kind of freaking out, like they're about to just pass out. Uh, She, like, takes them away. She's, like, trying to be like, hey, you know, someone's getting the... Someone's getting the school nurse, essentially. Like, you're gonna be all right. Uh, And then she takes this other girl's hand... Passes out, wakes back up and realizes after she is somehow, in spite of being blind, shared in a vision, like a sort of eldritch weird vision with this girl. Uh, And that's the end of the first chapter. Um, Huh. And so the inciting incident is she tries to track down this other, this other young woman, this other student, uh, Mm -hmm. who turns out to be this, turns out to be this young lady named Emily. Uh, Mm -hmm. And they start traveling together. They start hitting it off. uh, And... Do you want me to just keep going down this road, or just stop here? If, like this is the starting point. Yeah,
0: I mean, uh, honestly, it's as much or as little as you want to talk about.
1: I mean, yeah, they, the, the in a nutshell version is they go into the city and essentially Murda ends up trying to unravel Emily's story. Like this is the thing I've also struggled with trying to describe. It is, uh, Murda, mm-hmm. not because it's like super intricate. But it's that Murda doesn't get involved. Because she has a stake from the beginning, other than just kind of curiosity, she gets involved because at a certain point she decides it's the right thing to do to keep he- helping Emily out. Like kind of unravel her, the intrigues that nice. are circling around Emily, because it turns out the vision was prophetic. But Murda doesn't ah. know how to, Murda can't unravel it because she was born blind. She doesn't have visual reference. Uh, so mm-hmm. Emily kind of ends up having to explain what actually was part of it. Uh,
0: okay, okay.
1: Uh, and ends up being like a, kind of this dangerous, crazy nonsense. Uh, of course, Murda's, of course. <laughs> They run into uh, One of my other favorite characters An illusion mage named Raina Who is also a spy of course <laughs> uh, Things go crazy in the city And in God, I'm trying to describe I'm trying to decide how much of the book to describe Because also I'm not here to describe my book I'm here, I'm here to describe more what Murda's up to uh, mm-hmm. So I guess her actions end up being She just kind of helps out Emily Every step of the way as she can uh, And her her client like her aspect of like the climactic moments of the book her emotional climax is essentially coming to terms with uh some key aspects of her backstory and then the mm-hmm. physical part of the climax is she just gets in a, the raid style fight right at the right at the end of things uh because again gotcha. combat mage
0: nice nice
1: yeah
0: so this sounds like a good seg then to kind of talk about uh Murda's backstory and kind of like what 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 was she like growing up? How did she get to the point where you described her as a sad clown?
1: So, uh her so her backstory going back is that as I described, she was born blind and she was born into a pretty well-off family. I decided that just mm-hmm. made a lot of the story easier if she was Kind of rich, like not herself, an heiress, but like her family had an estate and everything. uh mm-hmm. So she was born into a into a well off family. And when she was a child, her dad sat her down. They talked. Uh, he explained to her kind of like what you know what it meant that she couldn't see and like what like that other people could. What the sort of thing was. Mm-hmm. And starting from that, she basically started down the same road that like Matt Murdoch and Toff would do of like kind of training herself to enhance all the other senses. You know, mm-hmm. like. So that she, you know, she would go wandering around her her family's house, like once with a cane to sort of clack things around, sort of catch the sounds, and once without it to start feeling more for things and also just kind of mm-hmm. end up not needing it. Cause that's that's one thing is that a major part of editing this book has been making her blind sight work a lot better, like make a lot more sense. because uh, in yeah. some ways in the early drafts I was relying too much on people just applying Daredevil rules, like coming into the book with that knowledge. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh But anyway, she just trained herself, then she she could go out further. She grew up with her older brother, who, uh, as a character, is basically the representation of my feelings toward my older siblings at points. Uh, Yeah. uh, Because he's, like, she earnestly loves her older brother, but he's not a very good older brother. Like, he's not just straight up abusive, but he's never been, like, that good of an older brother. But she still loves him, but yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. The point where it gets, where it starts to get into, like, sad clown territory, or at least, like, free, or is the prelude to where, like, she kind of hits her breaking point for a, for a while, is when she's 11, that's when she goes to the mage school, which is actually, I, deter- I decide was not specifically for majory because the way that this universe mm-hmm. works is that majory is like a lot of other talents. You can just kind of sit down and dedicate yourself to its study, and, like, be, kind of become good at it, but also there is a, a large element of just kind of innate talent toward it. Okay, okay. Like two people can study the same, but one will just kind of get it more intuitively and the other will Mm -hmm. struggle with it. And so this school isn't just mages, it is general sort of studies. Like you can study, you know, history and architecture and like literature uh, and in other forms of majory as well. Uh, But after a couple years, she ends up falling into combat majory. Yeah. She gets, you know, she gets the old gruff mentor teacher who kind of puts her through the ringer. And Mm -hmm. where. Her sort of roller coaster starts, and the reason that in the present day of the story she's like depressed but not really focused on it, and just a total alcoholic, is that it starts when uh, she loses her virginity in her teens uh, to a dude. She doesn't realize she's gay yet, and at first is like she's like, "Oh, that sucked. I actually didn't like that. So I guess I'm just, I guess I'm asexual for a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, or at least I'm not saying." She just treats it as a phase. At the time, she's like, "Oh, okay. I hated that. So this was that. Yeah, I'm just I'm asexual. This is not for me." Mm-hmm. Uh, then she meets a slightly older student who she ends up tutoring because uh, this student is actually a healing mage, is a magician, is the term, is the nerdy term I use in the story. <laughs> uh, nice. And actually, but like has to take a few combat mage, cl- combat majory classes to like basically learn how the human body works and like understand mm-hmm. what. Sort like what rehabilit- what rehabilitation sort of stuff would actually look like, you know, strengthening certain muscles. And she's struggling yeah, with yeah. it, so Murda becomes her tutor, and this older student is a lesbian and basically has forces Murda into her gay awakening. Uh, and at first, <laughs> and so Murda is actually, and I say forces, I don't mean actually like force it. I mean Murda has her gay awakening because of this student.
0: Gotcha. And so they, okay.
1: and they are like on the cusp of dating essentially, uh, and then Murda's parents die back home and she oh, is not no. and she's not told about it by her brother she doesn't find out until like the family lawyers send her a message so that's part oh, of like what informs no, the present day re- that's what forms the present day relationship with her brother to an extent of like she just kind of eventually resigns herself to it just didn't occur to him to send a letter my way um and so that and so yeah she's just for a while it's like completely blanked out and as a side consequence she misses her window to date this older student because by the time she comes out of her just complete, like, months-long bender, the other student yeah. has moved on. Uh, mm. Like, not cruelly, but it's just kind of like, yeah, I mean, Murda is... He? Like, so it's this sort of not of this exaltation of realizing her own sexuality. Uh, and it's actually kind of funny that I started writing this before I realized I was bisexual, so at the time, I was trying to figure out what a gay awakening felt like, and then she <laughs> was like, oh!
0: Uh, <laughs> um, uh-huh, uh-huh.
1: But, yeah, she... Uh, it's, the, it's sort of the combined, like, she had this exultation of realizing that she was gay and everything is fitting, and, like, she's about to be dating, like, this th- like this wonderful young woman, like, about her age, and it's gonna be super great. Mm-hmm. Then the parents mm-hmm. die, and that just slingshots, and she never got a chance to tell them. Uh, so, she yeah. feels, so she feels irrationally guilty about that, like she had hidden something from them. I don't go into detail mm-hmm. about that, but that's kind of how I can best describe it. Uh, yeah, yeah. And so that just kind of informs in the modern day that, you know, she drinks a lot just because that feels like the thing to do and she is still not totally over the death of her parents and that is what helps form the uh or it ends up being part of sort of her emotional climax toward the end of the book uh is mm-hmm. some that's like it'd be difficult and we maybe have to get into it later anyway but like be difficult to explain the circumstances but eventually she is essentially she is forced into just kind of letting it all out and just you know letting that grief finally break like a fever
0: yeah yeah i gotcha i gotcha
1: Yeah. Poor Murda. I mean, yeah, I mean, hey, dead parents are... In fiction, dead parents are the best parents. (laughs) I mean, that is... I mean, that is the thing, is, like, in fiction, you... Like, parents don't matter unless they are bad guys or dead most of the time. (laughs) Or both.
0: I mean... Like, trend-wise, you're not
1: wrong. Yeah, it's like, I... I'm trying to think of, like, examples in fiction, and I suppose most of them are more, like, kids shows, which is not a not-the-kids shows, but, like, in those cases, they can't really make the parents dead, and also it would be weird just to make all the parents abusive, so it makes sense they're good, but yeah, once you get into stuff like, you know, you get into older, more adult, like, con- like more adult stories, the idea yeah, is usually either the parents are dead, or they were, like, really abusive, because otherwise mm-hmm. it's like... You know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm Longstrider, the greatest assassin of the North. You know, my bow can, (laughs) my arrows can strike a fly from a mile away. And this is my mother, Sheila. You know, she's swell. She works in insurance. Like, (laughs) it's like, it's like, yeah, if that's the case, you just kind of don't mention the parents.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I gotcha. And now I really want to, like, I really want to go through and do, like, a deep dive of, like, media that I've watched where, like, the parents are definitely alive. Or even like the parental figures are definitely alive and involved.
1: Well, I was like, yeah, immediately I thought I was thinking about it in like the counter examples to my own point I could think of were mostly stuff like, you know, Steven Universe, Star versus the Forces of Evil, Gravity mm-hmm. Falls, and, you know, stuff like that. It's like the parents.
0: Danny like, Phantom.
1: Danny Phantom. Like the parents are present, but that also makes sense because these protagonists are children. So it's like, it would be awkward if the parents weren't there, and you can't be like, they're dead, because this is a kid's show. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you have to find a way to make them good, like, wholesome parents. Once you get into things where the protagonists are adults, then, yeah, then it's like, if they're going to be present, they need a reason to be present, and they're probably going to be bad people.
0: Yeah. I'm going to put, I'm going to write that down as a note for something for me to subvert with the next OC that I create.
1: Fair enough. (laughs) Um, but actually yeah, so no, I
0: do oh. have a character.
1: <laughs> nice. Anyway, keep going. And I was just saying so yeah, that's essentially Murda's backstory. and uh, in terms of what I supposed to take it in a less sad direction, uh, as part of her backstory, what she learned as a combat mage, mm-hmm, this is mm-hmm. where I uh, maybe could spent could have spent more time codifying the book, but there's just not been a place for me to do it. The book is finished. it's still like in various stages of drafting, but I just never really went into deep detail about it. The mm-hmm. majority of her combat magery isn't, like, fireballs or, like, you know, what you'd picture if someone was, like, a combat mage in D&D or something. It's mm-hmm. basically, uh, have you ever watched Hunter Hunter?
0: Uh, no, I haven't, but I think I've read some of the stuff about it.
1: Oh, like, do you know how, like, there's, like, a group of the, like, superpower users called enhancers, where it's, like, they just, their whole thing is they use that energy to enhance their physical ab- abilities?
0: That's not ringing any bells, but I can follow where you're going.
1: Yeah, so that's the majority of what she knows is based on that. It's like she's already like in and of herself, like fairly well built. Like she is got she is like athletically trained and has like that full like if mm-hmm. if she was being drawn, uh, in like so like someone is having to like figure out her physique, it would be comparable to something like Korra from Legend of Korra or something, where it's like that sort of MMA fighter physique. Not like buff bodybuilder, but like definitely like you look at them and go immediately go, Yeah, they could knock me the heck out.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Someone who's definitely physically trained and then uses the magic to augment their physical combat skills.
1: Yeah, so it's, like, her basic physical form is, like, enough to be, like, a top-tier MMA fighter. And then the magic amplifies that to, like, anime protagonist levels. Or, like, punching punching through concrete and whatnot. Um, Nice. So that is, like, the majority of her physical abilities is just using magic to channel into her body and, like, make her faster, stronger more adorable, etc uh but then one thing that ends up being a Chekhov's gun of the story that she's been trying to learn to augment this is this is where more of the Toff influence uh starts to shine through is uh what I call in the book elementalism which is just basically bending it's bending I called it elementalism to avoid DC. <laughs> um although I hashtag
0: do not steal
1: yeah although I do leave the door open for it to being able to control a wider variety of things than just like the elements but either way that's neither here nor there she's trying to learn Mm -hmm. earth elemental earth elementalism because like already makes sense she's like feeling vibrations through the ground like try to control it and also can use it like a little more of you know bring something up out of the ground and use it as projectile or even just like mess with your opponent's footing which that's what actually saves her life in that like in that big the raid style fight in the climax mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. she's going up against the bad guys sort of heavy his darth vader-esque dude like if the bad guy's the emperor this is the darth yeah guy yeah guy. uh yeah she's fighting against him he's this big beefy mercenary uh and he's got a sword and she halfway through the fight manages a knife uh she's been knocked down he's like coming in to finish and she's like sort of like time slows down and then she finally like twists after like Early in the book, introducing that she's still struggling with trying to even move a little bit of earth. Twists, moves the stone under his foot, throws off his footing and turns that into like a rising swipe, cut him open. And then like that starts the final fight, final phase of the fight. Nice. Yeah. So that her fighting style is or actually that's not even fighting style. That's just the fighting magic. The combat majory is that because I like martial arts type stuff. So that was where I was like, I wanted to focus on her being like beefy fighter type. Um,
0: mm-hmm. now since you mentioned that uh Myrta is interested in elementalism what mm-hmm. kind of elements is she most interested in controlling like you already mentioned the earth element i don't think,
1: like what else i don't think well actually i have thought a little bit of maybe something else she could use in like if when she if and when she shows up in future books because i haven't yet ri- i've written a sequel to this story but my thing about sequels is that uh i think if you write I think writing multiple volumes in a larger story is not a problem, but if you finished a story, making a sequel to that story with the same characters is often a losing battle because it's like, we've just seen the most interesting part of their lives. So either you're not going to top that and the sequel is not going to be as interesting or Mm -hmm. like you're going to somehow top it, but then it's going to be weird how this wasn't the most interesting thing that happened. So why didn't we start here? But whatever uh yeah so i i've done a sequel but it was it's about a different group of characters just in the same world with like toward the end some cameos from characters of this book um but thinking nice. of how she might show up in future books uh, like one story i do intend on writing which will form a little more of her arc as a character uh at least as currently mm-hmm. planned uh she's mostly going to focus on the earth because of the top the tough influence so that just makes sense but uh She, uh, and just, like, I I like the idea of being able to, like, sort of shift around, like, boxing footwork, but at the same time be just totally wrecking your opponent's footwork. You'll just be able Mm -hmm, to, like, mm -hmm, shuffle mm -hmm. back, and in the meantime, like, you're just messing with, like, they try to advance, but you just make their foot shoot out from under them. Yeah, Uh, yeah. If she did learn any other elementalism, she'd probably try to learn some basics of, like, air elementalism, not to, like, I don't think she'd want to learn it to try and be, like, an airbender like Aang, but, like, just to be able to bet even Mm -hmm. better even more hone the senses because she honed her senses before even being introduced to magic that came way later. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But like, she might try to like get like a little better sense of enhance her senses further by being able to manipulate the air a little bit or just get a better feel for it. The -hmm. one I think she would try to learn as a specific trick would be a minor degree of fire elementalism because then if she's in an enclosed space, (laughs) she could just (laughs) knock out all the lights and then she's the only one with an advantage.
0: Nice
1: That I am am stealing from stuff like Daredevil Because of course he does stuff like that Although hilariously one time he did the opposite of that Uh, This is going to be a brief aside It's just one of my favorite moments in any Daredevil comic Uh, He's Mm -hmm. like trying to protect this other character But he like hears all of these like uh, Bad guy mercenaries stomping up the stairs But he realizes they're wearing night vision goggles So as soon as they bust through the door He just hits the lights and they are completely blind And he just beats He just kicks their butts (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's one of my favorite because he's even like oh no six heavily armed mercenaries with night vision goggles and the next panel is his finger on the light switch whatever will I do
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah Uh, but yeah so that would be I don't think she'd be want to be a dedicated elementalist just because she enjoys the repertoire she has and she's already like so mm-hmm. like into the physical the physical arts of combat major she would probably just want to like she'd want to Throw herself into the earth elementalism because that makes sense to her. Maybe something with air and a, just a trick to be able to like, knock out the lights in a room. Uh, but besides that, she probably wouldn't focus too far in on it.
0: Mm-hmm. What is what is Murda's favorite way of enhancing her own skills with combat
1: magic? I mean, the big... I mean, I don't think there's a specific... I mean, I, in some ways... Hmm. That's... I mean, that's a good question. <laughs> I suppose part of it is just that I don't think she, I think she herself would not totally understand the question. Cause it'd be like asking, what do you prefer being strong, being fast or being rooted when it's like, I've got to be all three to actually like pose an mm-hmm. advantage in a fight. Like I'm not in the fight. I'm not thinking I'm going to increase my strength and go in harder. I'm just like, she'd be thinking like, no, I'm make, I'm already got my basic techniques and I'm just going to make them even more techniquey uh, <laughs> by amplifying my physical <laughs> limitations. Uh, so it's like, I get where you're going with that. I just, I don't think she would have a, like, have a specific answer to it. Because it would just be, why not just upgrade the whole package? Why focus in on one?
0: No, that's fair. That's fair.
1: Yeah. Because that is part of it, part of the lore I established within the story. Is that the these spells, this magic within combat mangery, is multiplicative, mm-hmm. not additive. It's not that if you are if you're this scrawny little weakling, you can just add 500 strength points. But then if you have like 10 strength points, you can then multiply it by five. And Mm. then that'll be like, so there, that is the reason why she has an MMA fighters build. It's also just so she doesn't always have to use the part of the combat majory is just the, the like learning the martial arts so that she doesn't always have to immediately, Mm -hmm. you know, force herself into the like drain her stamina by actually using magic.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. What's her fighting style like? This, is she Oh, oh yeah. I, I, I was going to say just like is she someone who does who would rather, you know, like 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 fight and kind of like like take him down a couple pegs from a distance or like close in, close combat, knock him out in 5 seconds, good to go?
1: Definitely the or latter. Or something else? Oh no, definitely the latter because although this actually I was hoping to talk about at some point cuz I've been thinking about this a lot lately <laughs> lately because of the anime Ken Ashura um yeah because i'm not familiar i'll I'll explain i'll explain this whole arc in a minute because going back to when I first was writing the first draft of the story would have been i would have been about 21 or so so we'll say four-ish years uh Mm -hmm. four-ish five-ish years uh at the time i had some martial arts arts experience from back in chattanooga i knew some five animal kenpo and wing chun uh and also i really loved the raid movies but that was about the extent to like i thought of martial arts to that degree and i hadn't even been to dojo Mm -hmm. chattanooga in a minute uh, and so when I pictured her fighting style, I'd mostly just focused on the magic part. And then for the final fight, I knew enough to like write what they were, how they were training blows. Uh, but also like, especially for the final phase of the fight, I was stealing a lot from the raid. Uh, yeah. Like yeah. in particular, like there's one move in the raid that's uh, of like, you know, hot, like there like certain, certain specific scenes of like, you know, stabbing a knife in like, like, and then launching up a knee into their chest and whatnot. Uh, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so if I, yeah. if I, at the time had to pick her fighting style, I probably would just say like, you know, something like pen Salat or, you know, maybe a little wing chun or something. I don't know. Uh, since watching Ken Ganashira, uh, which is a, uh, it is best way to describe it is a, it's a fighty boy anime because the whole thing of it is just, <laughs> it is a tournament arc. Essentially the, everything before the tournament arc is a prologue and then it just launches straight into a tournament arc. And it's between all these different martial artists representing uh, these Japanese uh, companies, uh, all going mm-hmm. up against each other to like basically yeah. run this underground fighting ring. Uh, and because of this, the show I really like this show, and it got me thinking a lot more about like how characters in this world would fight, like how their martial arts would actually function. Because in the real world, like people just say, "All right, it's time to fight." Like unless you're just a street fighter, but you don't make a school of street fighting; you make a system or a martial art. <sighs> and so what I decided uh eventually and this actually is going to branch into where she goes after this book and would set up for a book <clears> i'm <throat> planning to write right now i'm working on some other projects uh but on the docket yeah. is a novel that i am based that i'm taking a lot of inspiration from ken Ganashra on and it would focus on uh a young woman who would turn out to be murder student as like or former student as part of the one of the later twists uh oops, okay spoilers okay. for a book that hasn't been written um yeah <laughs> But that So, uh, the style Myrtle learned from her mentor, uh, a man named uh, Professor Fertis, uh I've decided is something called dueling panther style. Uh, and it is, I picture it as essentially being like a default, well default's sort of the wrong word, but a, a striking heavy style. Like, it would have most in common stuff like Muay Thai uh, mm-hmm. and kickboxing. It's like a little bit of Pencak Salat sort of clinches and holds and some, some of those movements. But otherwise, like... And heavily, as the name implies, heavily focused on dueling one opponent at a time. To the point that, like, it is even the wisdom within teachers of this style that if you're up against two opponents, kill one, then move on to the next. (laughs) And so that would be, like, her basis. It would be a very striking heavy style. Uh, But then when she, uh, after she ends the books or rides off into the sunset with Emily uh, and relocates, when she starts teaching, uh, because she realizes she has an opportunity to just teach, like, this skill she loves, but also especially teach other handicapped students, uh, mm-hmm. she would invent her own style that I've determined is called Silver Fox style. Because uh, <laughs> uh, one, that, it, to somewhat explain that, uh, Murda's appearance, uh, aside from the, like, the, the like, the athlete build, uh, her mm-hmm. face, she's got sort of the tough, grayish-bluish-blankish eyes. Uh, yeah. The hair is... Silv is like platinum blonde and usually just kind of ruffled and like loosely tied back because she's like she's blind she's not going to stare in the mirror and you'll worry about how every strand is she just kind of ties it back to practice and like fairly shortcut and so Mm -hmm. with the platinum blonde uh, when she eventually moves to this when she comes to this other city after getting in some trouble there she ends up with the moniker of the silver fox and so that's what she decides to name her school and her style of fighting Uh,
0: nice
1: and she ends up making three forms within the silver fox style each with like its own advantages that kind of bleed into the next. uh the one most close the one most closely based on dueling panther style is den mother style uh with the idea of it being like a a vixen in her den protecting her children standing her ground you can't run you've got to like You've got to stand here and make like fight whoever is in front of you, and so it'd be like yeah, mm-hmm. a lot. Of, it'd be a, that would be the striking heavy form like stance of the art, uh, with like not as many holds or like uh, trying to think of the right words. Like it's not as agile, but it's like it is just a truck barreling forward if you do it right. Mm-hmm. Great uh, force a little bit, yeah, but like not, but direct, like
0: skilled force. Yeah, skilled
1: force. That's a good way to put it. Um, and also, I will stop myself to say this is. Actually, no, I'm not going to stop myself to say it. I'll say it afterward. But um, so, yes. So Denmother style, that is like the strength form. Uh, Then there Mm -hmm. is Huntress style. And this is kind of the wisdom form also. Because this (laughs) is the one that is the idea of like attacking from other angles while keeping awareness of your surroundings. Because it is the one that Mm -hmm. most heavily involves usage of earth elementalism. Because it is like, it's basically where if you have... Ideally, it would be for if you are like in a situation with a lot of opponents, this is where you try to keep your distance, use stone as projectiles, you know, keep awareness of your surroundings at all times, using the stone beneath your feet and surrounding you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it would be a lot. It wouldn't quite be strength, but it wouldn't be quite agility either, just because it'd be mostly like, you know, using, using the stone around you and trying to keep a distance to keep the advantage. Uh, and then they would finally, oh, excuse me. The agility style is a uh, twisting vixen, with this one being the idea of, like, as opposed to Den Mother where you have to stand your ground, this is where you're still up against, mm-hmm. like, an opponent, but can, uh, like, uh, you can abuse other angles or sort of th- cause misdirects or take advantage of, like, some illusions in the environment. Uh, so this gotcha. this would be okay. the one that involves a lot more feints, a lot more uh, sort of twisting kicks and, gra- and, like, grappling maneuvers just because it is... It's it's not as energy conservative as something like uh, Den Mother style, but it would be it would be the style for like if just taking them head on isn't working. This is how you get them in from the sides. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so that that would be the school she eventually forms is the Silver Fox style with Den Mother stance, Huntress stance, and Twisting Vixen stance. Uh and yes, anyone who has also watched Ken Kanoshir and is realizing I am kind of stealing the Nico style basis for this. I just decided not to do it based on elements. <laughs>
0: Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. I feel like... I I just want to take a moment to say just how much I appreciate just, like, all of the intricacies of martial arts that I didn't appreciate until... Until I was old enough to, like, comprehend the history that I was, like, reading on martial arts styles and stuff.
1: Oh, yeah, it's really... Like, that's... Again, like, I already liked martial arts, like, way before, even before writing the, the book, uh, writing First mm-hmm. of the Four Moons... Uh, but Ken Ganashira has been like the thing that re- really revitalized it because it's re- interesting in how it presents them because the uh, the writer and the editor of the manga, they are like lifetime martial artists. The artist isn't, but that, they help Ooh. him by that, uh, by uh, literally just posing for like the different panels together, like the writer and the editors be like, all right, so oh, he's going to go so into Armbar like this. Um, and like all the <laughs> fighters have specific martial arts that are explained very well. Uh, but what also makes Ken great, and this is why I think it's a good thing to kind of steal ideas from for a fantasy setting, is that it has one and a half feet firmly in, like, the peak of human capability. And then the remaining uh-huh. half foot in just completely wild nonsense. Some complete buck wild craziness. Uh, like nice, one nice. Of, like, one of the fighters' This whole thing is based in the principle that if you break a bone, it grows back stronger, uh, so since the age of five, he's just taken a sledgehammer to the fight face, and now has gotten a steel skull essentially. To the point that a dude like seven, I mean, uh, to the point that a fighter who's like seven feet tall and built just massively punches him in the head hard enough to send him flying, and it turns out he broke his hand, and the other dude is fine. Oh my gosh! <laughs> it's really good. I love this show, and I'm, that's, there's a reason I'm stealing ideas from it too. Write a, write a fantasy book.
0: I you know what. Honestly, I think it's that. What's that good quote? It's like
1: good, art- like good. Good, good but- artist borrows, great artist steal. And you know who said that? Me.
0: Yeah, isn't that literally from your Twitter bio, Thea? Yep, <laughs> <laughs> that's where I've heard it before.
1: <laughs> I mean, I believe I I do stand by that quote. I think it is. Like I'm not gonna this is not a philosophy podcast, so I'm not gonna get into it, but it's like, like, yeah, I think mm-hmm. good artists borrow great art good artists borrow ideas, great artists steal ideas. Don't plagiarize, but yeah, if you think something's yeah. ra- if you think something's rad as hell, just be like, ooh, hmm this seems nice, mm, delicious.
0: Mm-hmm. And as as long as you're not like that complete idiot who freaking tried to sue the Zodiac Star Force people. You're fine.
1: Oh, that's right. I was reading about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, definitely could... don't go, like, that far. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, aside from stealing ideas, so what else do you want to know about my good my good silver-haired, good, sil- good silver-haired haired girl?
0: Um, so what are some of your uh, favorite plot points that have happened to, actually, no, no, I take that back. I kind of want to like talk about like what the other characters in Myrda's story are like like how does how does she interact with others does she have like a lot of friends or is it mostly like oh hey I, ra- I literally ran into this girl at graduation we're fire forged friends now you can't get rid of me sorry
1: so it's a little bit of both like she does have it is apparent in the story she has she does have friends, both at the school and back in, like, the city. Because they leave the school and go into the city to, like, the city nearby to actually, like, do most of the plot. And she clearly has friends mm-hmm, in both mm-hmm. places. But they're not important to the story, necessarily, for the most part. Although there is some some exploration of the fact that she, since kind of falling down on her depression, Bender has sort of drifted apart from her childhood best friend, who is a character. Mm-hmm. And so there's mm-hmm. some exploration of that. Um, but, yeah, the story of Emily, the I've actually had some... Free readers sort of question this and i think i've tweaked it enough like working with them that it's bet like it's better explained but yeah she before that night at graduation because they're both graduating uh but she had never met emily before like she kind of like maybe i heard that name but it also Mm -hmm. makes sense because emily spent most of her time in the library
0: Ah, uh, there you go.
1: And like that's even part of an early conversation, is like, yeah, I guess it makes sense Emily spent most of her time in the library and Murda's like, that'll do it. <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that place, so oh, I love it. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. And when she starts, she doesn't like she makes jokes about maybe like finding uh Emily cute, which other people are like, How would you know? Um <laughs> which Murda, you know, jokes back about. But uh but she's also just more like, I need to find out what happened when like this weird vision thing happened, because that shouldn't have been possible. Mm-hmm. My eyes don't work. Uh, behind mm-hmm. the scenes, I don't explain. I don't bother about this in the book because it's not important. My, but if anyone wants a question on me and truly how that could how that could possibly work my, beyond just magic, my rationale is that uh, it is possible to be physically blind, but your the vision centers of your brain still to work, mm-hmm. which is a concept I find mm-hmm. really interesting. And yeah, I decided that's how it works in this case. Physically, is just that yeah, it didn't work for our eyes, but the vision centers were there. Um, but mm-hmm. anyway, that's excuse me, that's an aside. But she does end up like. One of the uh, one early chapter is essentially just her and Emily on the road talking together and getting to know each other and finding out that they really they really like each other's company. Uh, and Emily is a character I won't describe it as too much detail, but she's a little bit of a bookworm. Uh, but mm-hmm. her she actually changed a little bit over drafts because at first I kind of wrote her a little over demure, a little like a little over passive. Uh, yeah, and I kind of yeah. didn't like that. So eventually I started, I didn't like completely rewrite her and just scrap all the scenes she was ever in, but I started mm-hmm. adding in more details, trying to make her more like one of my favorite characters, uh, one of one my favorite bookworm type characters, Tali Zora Naraya, uh, from Mass Effect. Uh.
0: Okay. Okay. Who is
1: like, yeah, she's a total nerd bookworm, but she has a very clear, like sort of dead pants sense of humor and a very like, and when the pressure's on, she has a spine, she has some fire. And I started... Okay. Transplanting that more into Emily. That like, she's not just this shy, awkward book nerd. She's just kind of, you know, introverted, but does, but is actually like, I think this is this is something I've even thought about between the characters is that Murda is very outwardly energetic and in your face, but is inwardly a little more introspective. Whereas Emily is outwardly a little quiet and shy, but inwardly is actually like really fired up, like very easy to get fired up on things. Mm-hmm. Uh, hmm and so yeah, they travel and of course they start to get mutual crushes on each other. Uh because in my in my Aww. headcanon, Murda is lesbian uh headcanon, I wrote the book. Murda is lesbian, uh, and Emily is pansexual.
0: Uh okay. I will
1: admit neither of those words are ever used, but I also don't like to do queer baiting garbage. Like Murda is very clearly attracted to women mm-hmm. from like very early on. Uh and yeah, Emily, yeah, it's and they are in a relationship by the end of the book. I don't I don't skirt around it, like maybe shh like <laughs>
0: yeah yeah it's it's something that's inherent but you don't necessarily want to like make it like hey here's a sticker to slap on the book on when it's on the shelf like look there's lesbians in it
1: i mean yeah it's like i at the time it was just i didn't wasn't sure whether or not i could or should or whatever because i wasn't too deep in writing communities if i wrote the book now mm-hmm. i might have had them say it ex- one of or both of them say that like their sexuality is explicitly at some point just at the time i didn't and like and, and in rewrites it hasn't proven necessary for like any of the scenes mm-hmm. uh but mm-hmm. so and so either way it's like yeah they are uh they start to get mutual crushes on each other but uh early in early on the road uh emily is nearly absconded with by uh, the character i mentioned reina but in the end everything is fine reina just passes along an employment opportunity uh from what the term is vicerine basically a female viceroy uh, of the city this one woman who shouldn't know emily exists but wants to hire her. Because uh, Emily, it turns out, can tell the future. Uh, both accidentally and deliberately. It's okay. complicated. Uh, it's okay. Yeah. Murda okay. and Raina hate each other from the beginning. Because Murda just straight up doesn't like illusion magic. Uh, because she's put so much yeah. of her life into trying to get a better sense of what things around her are like. Like, she's put so much effort into honing mm-hmm. her senses. Having someone just come, like, stick their hand in and mess with it. Just... Like, it, it makes her angry beyond belief. And Raina is just a complete gadfly of a character. I love her. She's so... She's such a... She's such a dumb, awesome idiot. Um... Uh, but they end up with a sort of fire-forged friendship by the end. Yeah, it, like, Murda and Emily's friendship is pretty good off the bat. With, like, some, some hiccups along the way. But, like, from the beginning, they are they are, they are are set in stone. Whereas, yeah, Murda and Reyna have to become... Like, they have to... Yeah, they, they... It's fire-forged friends by the end of it. Um... I mentioned I've nice. mentioned to Murda's brother uh and that is one where, like her brother is op- is outwardly very gregarious and even like in private isn't a jerk but it's just he has done enough things very casually cruelly to em- to Murda not to Emily uh to mm-hmm. Murda that it is mm-hmm. like that is a complicated relationship. I even have it Murda does say explicitly to her brother that she loves him because that's one thing I that's one thing I absolutely adore and don't think we have enough in fiction is platonic declarations of love. I I yeah. think like some of my favorite moments in media are uh, in, of all shows, 30 Rock. The final episode has a uh, Liz Lemon, Tina Fey's character, say to Jack, mm-hmm. uh, Alec Baldwin's character, uh, and she does say, like, they say, I love you to each other, but it is as friends. It's not like, oh, now we're romantic. It's like, no, it's they love each other because they have this deep found connection as friends. Uh, and Aww. one of the few redeeming moments of the ultimate trash fire that was Voltron Legendary Defender was when, <laughs> slight spoiler, uh, Keith is fighting Shiro in one of the season finales. And it's like, basically, fools like, you were my brother, Anakin. I loved you. Uh, it's like, it's, and it, but like the way it's delivered, it's so good. It's like, yeah, I love when characters, like whether it's just siblings or just two people who are exceedingly close to each other can say, I love mm-hmm. you and not be that they're banging behind the scenes. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. And so Unless it,
0: some people Will not let this Stop the shipping
1: <laughs> I mean it's, if you want To ship characters Who say I love you Like and they're Not related okay But it is that I like it when Characters can platonically Say I love you And it's not It's not Yeah that I romantic. get that So I tried I I, get that, I, get I have that. Murda do it I have Emily do it With uh, who the Vicerine turns out to be Because it's, uh turns out To be like one of Her oldest friends uh, For plot stuff Oh uh, nice And like the end Of the book is them Just having like this Final conversation together And they say I love you To each other Because they are at that, they are basically sisters, just not by blood. Aww,
0: uh,
1: it's like yeah, I like moments like that.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I gotcha. Uh, I do too.
1: And so yeah, Murda's relationship with her brother is kind of is kind of entangled. Uh, and I mentioned she has a childhood best friend in the city who is like this very. is sort of in mm-hmm. some ways as who Emily was as a prototype. She is like very sweet and quiet, uh but it, like they just have been friends for a while. But like they just have drifted apart, and even in the time of the story. Their first night where they see each other, it's, like, really great and pleasant. But, like, the few times after that, it's just kind of awkward and they don't know what to talk about. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because Murda has just been completely off the wagon. Um uh, mm-hmm. Other characters is where we get, like, more... Uh, other characters is interesting because Murda definitely has opinions about them, but they kind of filter as they direct toward Emily. Because as I've as I alluded to... Yeah. The core character, even though Murda is the protagonist, the character around whom most of the plot revolves is Emily and Murda is there because she believes she needs to be there and she wants to know what happens. And also she, as I said, she is super crushing on Emily by the time, uh, by the midpoint of the story. Um, and, uh, so like other characters that relate to Emily, Murda has opinions about, but mostly it's through Emily. Like Mm -hmm. her opinions on them relate. Yeah. I'm, I'm being the dead horse. Yeah. (laughs) So those are sort of the major opinions she ends up having is the relationship that ends up in the relationship with Emily, uh vitriolic fireforged friends with reina uh complicated relationship with her brother increasingly distant relationship with a childhood friend and even with her deceased parents had a very healthy relationship they were really good parents in spite of being rich they are forgiven um (laughs) uh, and that was part of yeah why them passing away unexpectedly was so like it'll mess you up either way but in this case it was like Mm -hmm. yeah just such Mm -hmm. a complete sledgehammer to the back of the head emotionally
0: oh yeah definitely um, real quick, Theo, uh, before we go into the last question, something that I kind of want to just like check in about is, uh, how have, like, like, how have you as, a, as a, someone with, uh, no visual impairments kind of approached writing murder, someone who is fully blind?
1: Uh, so definitely a lot of fixing dumb things I did in the first draft. Uh, cause the first yeah, draft, I just yeah. kind of, like I said, I bleared through it on daredevil rules. Um, and then, uh, several years ago, after that first draft, I did reach out to a friend of mine, uh, who, uh, themselves, uh, is physically handicapped and, uh,
0: were mm-hmm. physically
1: disabled and works with a lot of people who are physically disabled. Uh, and I reached out to them and was like, hey, do you know anyone who has been, who, like, was born, like, blind, anything like that? Um, and, uh, she didn't find anyone who was born blind partially because I wanted to, I wanted to see if I could find a real life example of, a. Uh, Someone who had that sort of mm-hmm. conversation, like, what it was like finding out that sight was a thing that exists, but you don't have it. Um,
0: yeah, yeah. I wasn't able to
1: get that, but I did get some people who were blind. I talked with them. They helped give me a little little nuance, a little bit of direction to take the story. And that's partly why I decided uh, that it wasn't the magic that made Murda, like, made Murda adapt. It was just that she worked at it. Um, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was something she did because she, like, worked hard, not just because she was, like, it was a defect that nat- that magic fixed. Um, <sighs> yeah, like, <laughs> so, like, yeah, she, she's just good because she's practiced at it. She's driven. Um, but mm-hmm. even past that point, I just had to keep shaving down more and more kind of guff. Uh, like, I've had to work with, the, like, pre-readers to... Just things that didn't make sense or kind of unfortunate implications just kind of shave away piece by piece. I'm not going to say it's now perfect in some ways. Again, if I'd started writing this book now, I might have second guessed how I wanted to go down that road. Because uh, I know yeah. some people don't especially love Daredevil as like uh, as a representative of blind people because they think it is a little bit like kind of undercut by the fact that he can that he has like the radar sense and everything, which I think is totally fair. I'm not going to be like, no, you don't understand. Yeah. Um, but I think as is, I'm still really, I, at least where it is, I think she's definitely way better than where it started. And it's at least at a point that I can look at with some measure of pride, just as a character. I don't have to be like, and just ignore this piece. Mm -hmm. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I gotcha. I gotcha.
1: Yeah. Did that answer your question or did you have any follow-ups for that?
0: No, that, that answered my question. I was just, uh, switching between... Uh, audacity and uh where i have my intro and outro pulled up
1: (laughs) no that's fair and i think i do think for like if this does make it to an agent and then to an editor i would probably Mm -hmm. like if they wouldn't already suggest it i would i would probably want it to go through one more like sensitivity reader phase just so it's like totally like make sure it's scrubbed and we're good uh but well Mm -hmm. that that's definitely Mm -hmm. going too far into the future we'll have to (laughs) burn that bridge when we get to it
0: yeah yeah step step one
1: Cut a hole get it. In a step box. one,
0: get it get in front of someone who's important. Uh to like publishing and stuff. Yeah. Uh step two, sensitivity reader. I mean, no, that's the idea. Step three, question mark. <laughs> step four, champagne. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> or confetti cannons or something.
1: Exactly. I mean, yeah, step one is just pretty much get an agent to want <laughs> to look at the manuscript. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. I continue to say and not as if I've ever tried to get published before. <laughs> <laughs> I do not know this struggle, so I'm going to keep my mouth shut about it.
1: Oh, no, it's fine. It's not like I'm not being, like, offended. You don't know what it's like! Uh, but it is just, like, I've had to learn a lot of stuff the hard way.
0: hmm I'm sorry.
1: I mean, it's fine. I've ra- I've ran into a lot of good people in the writing community who, again, I think have helped improve the book. Just, like, making it sharper. Like, cutting out weird stuff with Murda's, uh, like, Murda's sensory experiences. Especially.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. I guess then. Um, unless you have anything else that you wanted to uh, touch on with murder, real quick, uh, we can do the last question.
1: I mean, I don't think there's anything I haven't like mentioned. Like I've described what she looks like. I've described her fighting style and what. It will eventually evolve into once i write the kank and ripoff um <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, i described that yeah she ends up in the relationship with emily who it's like they are a little bit opposites attract but more just like complement each other i prefer to think of it that way um i've described like sort of what her arc of the book is like uh she does I, I don't really yeah i don't really have much else to say i just really like how she ended up as a character and at some point i do need to get of art of her done and i was going to get art of her done but then i threw up a poll on my twitter being like hey y'all i'm gonna make a commission should i get of a, a fursona a sonic oc or my book characters and then book characters was winning i went to bed i woke up and i guess the furries raided in the night because that won <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to know why we don't have uh, anything that's not a pit crew of murda currently existing you can blame the furries <laughs>
0: I would not. I don't blame people for pursuing things that are their passions unless they harm people. <laughs> next
1: <laughs> next episode, do furries harm people?
0: Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, the answer is, like, no. I mean, no, no but... <laughs> I'm, I'm,
1: I'm joking. I'm, I'm being facetious.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know. I, know. <laughs> um, I guess your last question then for today, Theo, is why do you love murder so much?
1: Uh, I was, it's funny, because I was already kind of saying that. <laughs> like talking yeah, about what, yeah. I mean, she, from the beginning, she was combining a lot of things I really liked, like, you know, martial arts, you know, I like fantasy a lot, so that was why I was writing this story, and she was combat mage in this mm-hmm. fantasy world. Uh, she, I didn't, again, I didn't send it to it like, this is going to be a self-insert, but she ends up talking a lot of the way, like, I, like, the way she just addresses things, I think, is really, uh... I just, I vibe with, because of course I do. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I really, this has actually been the thing I've alluded, I keep saying alluded to, uh, one of the things that I mentioned that I had some trouble writing this into the query letters I'm working on now, like that I would send agents, is one thing they often emphasize when writing a query letter is that like, oh, you need to say what the stakes are for the main character. Like, what, what do they stand to lose? What are the potential consequences if they don't get what they're looking for, blah, blah, blah. And the thing is like, I've managed to massage it to better describe, like, kind of what Murda stands to lose or gain, but
0: in mm-hmm. truth,
1: she kind of doesn't have stakes in the direct story. She's involved because she chooses to be, and that is, mm-hmm. I think, is a really understated type of protagonist, the hero.
0: The a, or the stakes it, are her friend's stakes. <laughs> a little
1: bit, yeah. It's like a character who is involved because they know it's the right thing to do. Who is just who chooses to be good. I like characters who. It's like why I really like Steven Universe. Steven, I mean, eventually he gets stakes in his own story, but he does the right thing so much of the time because he can't imagine Mm -hmm. not doing the right thing. I like Mm -hmm. characters who are just Mm -hmm. good at heart. Uh, And I tried to put that a little bit in Murda, that yeah, she is curious and she ends up kind of, her brother ends up kind of wrapped into the larger conspiracy, but otherwise directly to her, she doesn't have stakes. She could be like, you know what? I'm out. And just like leave Emily to her fate and lose (laughs) very little. But she's yeah. not going to let, she wouldn't let herself do that. It's, so it's, yeah, that, that becomes one of the reasons I really like her as a concept. It's just, I like that, I like that sort of protagonist who is involved because they choose to be. Because they know people need their help. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm going I'm to stop it there. I think that is the core thing I really like yeah. about Murder. The rest is me indulging just like oh daredevil's cool oh what if she could you know punch someone in the throat so hard they threw up uh, but like um but at the core i think she is just someone who chooses to do the right thing not because she has something to lose but because she can't imagine not doing it
0: good that's very good theo good for murda yeah. good for her and I guess this is a good point then uh, for me to say thank you so much for coming on Wayward today and talking about Murdithia. I loved to hear
1: about her. Excellent. I'm, yeah. If one day, <laughs> and if one day this ever actually becomes a book, I'll send you a copy.
0: I would love to see that. Like, <laughs> I, I cannot, I can't, I can't say that I could bring anything to like. I, I, I would not necessarily be the. Best or most insightful proofreader, but like I would love to see it.
1: <laughs> I mean, sure, I can say I can send you the draft.
0: Oh, awesome. Okay, um, but also before that happens, uh, where would you like to be found on the internet? What projects do you have that you would like to shout out? Because I know you got stuff.
1: Uh, so uh, I can be found on Twitter at Four Whole Moons, which is the worst username ever because it's all homophones. Um, but it's four <laughs> is in the number spelled out. Uh, whole as in not half of something uh, and moons as in the thing in the sky that the government uses to listen at us um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you can also find me I do have a website It's not. it doesn't have a total lot on it I honestly need to update it but you can find it www.theodormonk.com that's Theodore spelled like Chipmunk's name and Monk spelled like M-O-N-K uh, I'm, <laughs> uh, I'm one of the primary cast members on uh, Forgotten Eras uh, which you can find on Twitter at uh kh underscore afe at least i think it's still with the underscore uh, i'll check that mm-hmm. later <laughs> you can just edit you can just edit it in later <laughs> if you're yeah, like yeah deepening your voice like khafe <laughs> just doing your best Actually, version of my sec. voice <laughs> right.
0: i have my browser up. i can check it
1: fair enough um aside from that uh i'm sure so you can find me here and there i've got an episode on uh tanner and Lindsay's podcast not if i reboot you first mm-hmm and yeah, that's, that's all. Those are the things I do, baby.
0: Awesome. And I think, I think this episode is actually going to be the first one in July. So it'll be no. after the stream comes out.
1: Fair enough. You can cut the reference to the stream then.
0: <laughs> it's okay. No sweat. Okay. In that case, then it's time for me to go ahead and do my outro. The Home for Aero is a part of the Corner Podcast Network. It can be found through ACAST and your local podcasting platform of choice. Our theme song is Violet by Poddington Bear, courtesy the Free Music Archives. We can be reached at waywardocpod at gmail.com or through waywardocpod on Twitter. And I think also the hashtag, but I haven't checked the hashtag in a while. If you would like to talk about Wayward on Discord, uh, the Corner Podcast Network has their own uh, Discord server uh, where we talk about other shows on the network like Not If I Boot You First and Loser Like Me. Uh, if you would like to join the server, uh, we should have a permanent invite floating somewhere around one of the show Twitters, uh, and if not, just ask one of us, uh, and we will be able to get you that invite. Uh, and I am always looking for guests to come on Wayward, uh, and especially to talk about their original characters. So, uh, if you or someone you know is interested in talking about their OCs on the show, please, please feel free to reach out. Uh, I also have the Google form that is the pinned tweet on the Wayward Twitter, uh, so you can either fill it out or you can reach out to me directly, uh, ideally through the wayward Twitter, uh, and we can talk about getting you on the show. And also, if you're listening to this and you're someone who's sent in an OC, but we haven't discussed when you can be on the show, please follow up. Things are kind of wampus in my life right now, and I'm trying to keep a death grip on scheduling for as long as I can. <laughs> but anyway, as- all that aside... Uh, it is always super helpful if you can rate and review us on your listening platform of choice because it helps us to find a wider audience and to write more people's days. So, thank you all for listening. This has been the Home Free Widow OCs, and we hope you enjoyed your stay. Kick back and relax, Theo. You're good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> can I just um, sing Ave Maria in the background? <laughs>
0: I mean, you could. (laughs) 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 Grazie a plena. (laughs) (laughs) Congratulations. You made the mistake of singing up in front of a Catholic who can sing along.
1: (laughs) I mean, I'm I'm Greek Orthodox. That means we can't be friends anymore.
0: <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Friendship ruined with the schism.
1: <laughs> What's that? You like role playing game actual play podcasts? You like Kingdom Hearts? You want non-stop jokes punctuated by unexpected and massive angst? You enjoy a healthy disregard for Disney's greed and overreach in regards to copyright law? Well, then, do we have the podcast for you? Kingdom Hearts of Forgotten Era is an actual play podcast that takes place 80 years before the events of Birth by Sleep, using the interstitial Our Hearts intertwined system. We follow a group of five people going on adventures through the Disney worlds never seen before in the Kingdom Hearts series as they try to overcome the darkness within their own arts. With episodes dropping every Wednesday, we release way more often than the real thing. Also, Kronk is there!